this is Heidi Bennett. Welcome to the Vibrant Visionaries podcast. This short that we're going to be talking about, The Blood of the Dinosaurs, was in Chatfest, and it's also going to be featured in the festival that we're covering right now, which is Fantastic Fest in Austin. And I'm doing this virtually again, and I look forward to going to Austin again maybe next year so excited to share this conversation. Let's get into it. All right, everyone, as promised in the intro, Joe Badon is here, director and co-writer of Blood of the Dinosaurs, a really interesting short. And I really want to ask him beyond the tagline, what the hell this movie's all about? (laughs) Welcome, Joe. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much for having me. I am honored. Definitely. Yeah. So Great. glad so glad to have you. This is the first short that I saw for Chat Fest, and then I was excited to see that it's also uh featured in Fantastic Fest. Uh two yeah. these are my two fave festivals and so get to see uh, um, your film a couple of times. So yeah, t- just I mean, I like the tagline. I definitely so the tagline is like an episode of Mr. Rogers from Hell, which <laughs> I could definitely see. <laughs> and I was a huge Mr. Rogers fan. As I mean, I still am, but Absolutely. you know, as a kid, I was totally into that. But like, what are some of the other influences? Because I can definitely see a few myself, but I might as well yeah. just hear it from the source. Yeah, lots of um, Adult Swim stuff. I, off the Air is like one of my favorite shows. I don't know if you've ever watched that one. Mm-mm. Kind of just a mix of lots of various YouTube shorts, and then they'll just this curated together uh this dave hughes one of the guys over at adult swim uh does that and he so he just finds shit that he loves off of youtube and vimeo and shit and just makes these kind of like mixtapes gotcha that's definitely a big influence i kind of wanted the sections to feel like it was a bunch of different little short films all kind of crammed in together uh also one of my biggest influences is a composer by the name of john zorn Mm-hmm. He had this band called Naked City, and they would do these kind of like um, genre sandwiches where they would take they would do like sometimes 30 or 40 different styles of music all back to back all in one song. I wanted to kind of recreate that kind of feeling of like this frenetic genre hopping. So that's what I've been exploring. I explored that a lot with the last uh, feature film that I did, uh, Sister Tempest. And then we lean to, into it even more in Blood of the Dinosaurs and then also Wheel of Heaven, which is the next part of Blood of the Dinosaurs, essentially. Okay. So the, the little teases that are in it are real in that it does continue on to, to a new... Yes. Another short or... It goes into it. Well, actually, it was going to be another short. We, we raised money on Kickstarter still small like i think we raised 20 grand on kickstarter and it was going to be a 30 minute short uh but after we shot it we had about 80 minutes worth of material we could turn it into a feature um but we decided hey let's try episodic we haven't done that we haven't tried that through the festivals yet so yeah we turn it it's basically uh four 20 minute episodes will be this next thing wheel of heaven oh cool awesome i'm so glad you explained that that definitely like I definitely understand because I was thinking like, oh, this, I watched it, I rewatched it, I uh, just rewatched it again um, today in anticipation yeah. of our conversation. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, like you 
really go through a, a, a nice collage of different, yeah, genre styles and different, you know, yes. camera angles and different. Some of it's gory and uh, bloody and a little scary, and then some of it's very cutesy, and then kind of yes. merges into <laughs> creepy. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> I'm trying to view film more as songs, where you have you have changes essentially instead of so many movies that I, I that i see like independent films they'll have like just it's a one note it's a one tone the entire time and that's cool i mean I, if i could do that i probably would try to do that but it's like my brain will not let me you know it'll be something serious and and i want to make a joke right afterwards i don't want to just keep doing something serious because after a while it just it gets tiring no matter what it what it is comedy or musicals or horror or whatever drama if you're just doing that one tone it gets very boring and tiring after a while so i'm kind of trying to do the opposite and have all the tones at all at the same time <laughs> so. but uh yeah you said like collage and definitely dadaism is a huge influence for me and that's like basically a lot of collage work is is from dada work and that whole idea of with dadaism that um everything's nonsense and that's another thing that i try to work in there is try to work in a ton of nonsense but then try to find meaning inside of all that nonsense and so there's lots of red herrings there's lots of things in in what i do that don't make sense and they're not supposed to make sense but it's like life. There is, with life, there's a little path in life that makes sense. And then there's a ton of shit all around it that doesn't make sense. And that's kind of what I'm trying to kind of interpret in my work as well. That kind of like the way life is, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting the way you, right after watching, I was like getting ready, having my coffee and everything. And I was just thinking like, you know, I have an idea or two about what I might ask you, but... Really, there's a relaxation that happens mm -hmm. when you know that you've just consumed somebody's art and it has enough weirdness and with with intention, but like right. <laughs> quirky weirdness, which is what vibrant visionaries are all about. Just people who like to do a lot of different creative things and are yeah. sending it out, sending these signals out. And to me, yeah, that signal, I thought, oh, well, no matter what we talk about, it's going to be fun and it's not going to be too serious. And yes, it's going to be somebody where, yeah, like you mentioned, you saw my little chalky banks here that I have and and I have way more <laughs> weird shit, but the, the, I have um, sound dampening stuff up behind me right. just so that the podcast can sound a little bit better. But my house is full of a bunch of quirky vintage collectibles and yeah. like um, we collect folk art. And let's yeah. see, I just grabbed something from one of my cooking shows, <laughs> this Budweiser <laughs> thermos Amazing. picture thing um, that I'm going to work into one of my other videos because I do some cooking demos and stuff yeah. too um, on YouTube. So um, I can see that and I appreciate that because I always feel like Obviously, it's my show. I can come as myself. But like knowing I'm going to talk with somebody else that has that absurdist, you know, eye view yeah. makes me feel even more like at home. Well, yeah, totally. Well, you know, it's almost like imagine trying to make a film like a thrift store. Like when you walk in, 
it's this curated bunch of oh, like an antique store kind of thrift store but it's this curated bunch of all sorts of weird shit but it's curated it all weirdly makes sense but it's like you have you know old comic books you have old furniture you have all sorts of strange things like the old you know glasses that when you fill it up the bikinis like disappear you know right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you have like you have the low brow to the high brow you have fine art and low art all those things all together and that's what i'm really fascinated with capturing that kind of motif you know. I love it. I love it. I'm the same. Mo most of my stuff is more on the weirdo weirdo art. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just <laughs> like, you know, sure, we have some Ikea furniture and a bunch right. of weird vintage furniture and, right. you know, things that are stuff from my family that I just can't seem to want to get rid of. And my husband and I actually used to work for one of the local thrift stores here in the East Bay area. Yeah it was a concept store where they did have it be more curated. So even though it was a thrift store, it was like they hired, uh, while well, we were volunteers, and then they hired management that are friends of ours to bring in hand chosen from all of their um, warehouses, right. thrift warehouses. So it was really fun. Right. And it was an art gallery. So we got to have this like art, a lot of it made, like the artists could um, sort through all of the um, yeah. picks and the finds. What was the name of the place? It was called Redux. Nice. I gone, I went to LA for the first time recently, and we went. I went to this place called like Out of This World Thrift or something, and it was a very similar vibe to what you were saying. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It was like it had it had the art gallery in the back. It's a great concept. Yeah. But yeah, I love that vibe. It really captures life. Life is messy. It's got old things and new things and cool things and stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> Basically like Blood of the Dinosaurs. That's <laughs> So yeah, speaking of that, the um, set design for um, your different vignettes, your different stories, yep. who dressed those sets? Because they're so much fun. So the Uncle Babo set is a pre-existing set that is part of a prop house called Sideshow Props. Okay, that's exactly what it looked like. It was in yeah. a prop house. It was really it was cool, a, yeah. Yeah, so uh, in my hometown of Slidell, where I still live, which is right outside New Orleans, there's a prop house there called Sideshow Props. And so we've shot a lot of stuff with all of our films there because he basically, Lawrence uh, over there, has these like sets that are just already pre-built that are inside the prop house. So if people want to use them, they can. And most people don't ever use them. Hmm. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'm using that bitch. Cause like, so I, I like with God inside my ear, my first feature, I wrote the script around the sets that were pre-built in the prop house. There's like, I think 10 sets. We ended up using about like seven or eight of them. But I wrote the script around that cause I knew I could get it. Uh, for cheap, having all the sets all in one place. So yeah, I've just used that. I've used that prop house to death. It's just great. Yeah, it's all set up there. It looks wonderful. It's so fifties. Yeah. But then, like, well, like there's a little interview section at the beginning of, and that was at my house, and that's all my wife, you know, Tanya, is just doing all that. She's just amazing at it. Yeah, it's and, great uh, looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then the hospital was like a. Uh, we had a little the little labor and delivery scene. Actually, it ended up looking like somebody's bedroom that we dressed to look like a hospital, but it was actually like a a, a medical 
uh, one of those places, it's like kind of fake medicine. Like they're, and it was like, it actually had those beds with stirrups and everything. Right. There's so many procedures that we experience with those damn things right. that they, it's they... got to look legit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but we ended up with that room. We just ended up dressing it with whatever was laying around at the hospital. So everything was done really on the cheap with Blood of the Dinosaurs. I think the entire thing cost like 2500 bucks, And, you know, everybody just worked for free. Yeah, Vincent, the, the main actor, uh, flew himself down from L.A. to New Orleans just to, just to do it because he believed in it so much. Awesome. Yeah, he did a great job. <laughs> well, yeah, he he did is a... so, so unnerving in the best oh, way. Oh, well, he makes the whole short film work, you know. If it would have been the wrong person at that in that role, it would have the he the whole thing wrote on his shoulders, and yeah, and he elevated it to a level that I didn't even expect. It's fucking scary <laughs> as hell. <laughs> have you ever watched Groove Tube? The group, the old '60s movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like it's kind of an anthology sort of deal. Yes. Yes. I worked at a video store where it was still like VHSs in right. the like '90s or whatever, and um, I took that home and then got fired. So I just had that VHS forever, the Groove Tube. <laughs> so I've watched it so many times. That's hilarious. Well, you know, it's funny you said that too, is because um, a huge influence for me recently has been Kentucky Fried Movie. Yeah. I've been I've I've kind of watched a bunch of those movies that are like that, trying to find something that was as funny as Kentucky Fried Movie. It's still fucking Kentucky Fried Movie's hilarious. <laughs> Usually, uh, when I mention Groove Tube, if people haven't seen it, they conflate it with Kentucky Fried Movie. But there yeah. there is a particular skit in there that I was thinking of when I was watching yours, which is one where there's a clown and he's uh-huh. host he's hosting a kids show. And um, so he comes out, you know, all clowny and smiling and, you know, mugging for the camera and talking directly to the kids and everything. And then he asks all, I won't tell you the whole skit, but he asks all the parents to leave the room and it's just us, you know, just me and the kids now. And then it just totally turns weird after that. So <laughs> it's definitely worth another viewing if you haven't oh seen that gosh, in a while. I totally forgot that scene. <laughs> that sounds creepy as fuck. <laughs> um, actually, UHF was a big influence too for this with the whole, I mean, UHF is basically like that whole anthology sort of thing that told more of a narrative where yeah. they're showing all the, the fake little um, commercials and shit, which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I love all that shit. I try to incorporate that into my work as much as possible. Awesome. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah. So, yeah. So before we call it a day, is there anything in particular that you want to point people toward that I can um, link to in the show notes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are about to launch a website, cosmicfamilyfilms.com. Okay, cool. Uh, But you can also just... Find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you look up Joe Badon, B-A-D-O-N, like bad on. You, Twitter likes to confuse me with Joe Biden a lot. <laughs> um, and then also our upcoming miniseries, Wheel of Heaven. That has a Facebook page. If you just look up Wheel of Heaven, 
but yeah, that's what I'm working on next is we're doing a four part mini series. It is a extension of this film where we follow young purity, the main little actress and she uh, into her adulthood and, and her still dealing with predators in her life, essentially. But it's told through her reading a children adventure novel and she puts herself into that novel and we just see the circle of life. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Uh, there you go. Cool. Well, thanks so much. It was really great talking with you. And I look forward to seeing your, well, I have that link to your movie. So every once in a while, when I feel like I want to get yeah. into that <laughs> creepy, funny, wonderfully weird mode, I look forward to revisiting it and then seeing what else you put out too. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you uh, if you ever want to check out, I've got two feature films online as well: The God Inside My Ear and Sister Tempest. So if anybody wants to check out those, they can just Google those. Uh, they're available available for rent online. Awesome. So, yep. Cool. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, everybody, this has been Vibrant Visionaries covering Chattanooga Film Fest, Fantastic Fest. I've got more Fantastic Fest interviews coming up and all sorts of other funky stuff. You can find it all at vibrantvisionaries.com. And ciao for now. Ciao.